listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, he rapped too. Along with the with the Oscar and the jewelry. He was a little rapper as well. Kobe Bryant, as we remember him and the others on the tragedy yesterday that we will not soon forget. It's ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. We thank you for joining us on this Monday night. We go to our our fabulous guest hotline and we welcome in a therapist, S. Tia Brown, to ESPN New York tonight. Ms. Brown, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. We're, we're, you're needed. We need you. <laughs> we, we, yeah, no, this is a heavy topic. It is. It is. It's very heavy. Okay, let's 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 start here. If you were handling the family members who serve who are left behind, okay, the ones who are, are dealing with the fact that they've got lost loved ones, how do you take them through getting their head around a what happened and on the road to 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 trying to to recover, Let, let's start with the kids first. I'm very curious about hand, handling the kids. Well, I think it's really important to understand whether you're a, a child or an adult, that everyone handles grief, um, catastrophe, tragedy in a different way, right? So there's just this some assumption that everyone is going to, you know, maybe be hysterical or visibly grief-stricken. And the reality is that we have to give people space to go through the grieving process and understand uh, what that loss means in their lives individually. So that means that there's no template that works for everyone. What we do know is that there are certain tools that we can apply and we pull out the tools according to what a person is going through, right? So children are very hard because they're going through um, different experiences based on what age they're in, right? So if you're dealing with toddlers, because, you know, some of the children who are left behind may be very young, they have a certain level of understanding what's going on, of what's going on. Older children, tweens and teens have a different understanding. Um, so I think it's important to really figure out where your youngster is and, number one, give them age-appropriate information, right? Mm. So a lot of times when... Uh, a tragedy happens, you know, it's hard to control how conversation flows and adults sometimes speak in front of them, but we want to be mindful of not giving children um, too much of an emotional burden of being a caretaker, especially older children. Now, we know younger children, toddlers, their understanding of death is going to be very simple, right? You know, my parent is in another place, my sibling is in another place, uh, but they're still going to experience loss. Uh, but older children are going to not only experience the loss, but they're dealing with what others have to say about it. They're dealing with um, consoling their maybe their their surviving parent, relatives, and friends who are also grieving, as well as dealing with their grief, right? Because that's just part of being in that age group. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to understand where your child is and give them the support that's needed. The best thing to do is, especially with kids who are not toddlers, Ask them how they're doing. Mm-hmm. How how are you feeling? Let them know that there's a space for them to talk. 
there's a space for them to be without projecting. You know, a lot of times we project how we're feeling. We'll say to people, even we'll do this to adults, I know you must be sad or I know you must be scared, you know, but we don't know how that person is feeling in the moment. So give them the space to uh, really figure out how they're feeling by asking how they're doing. And I think setting up therapy as a ritual early on is the best way to be proactive, right? Because, again, we don't know when and if meltdowns will occur, when, you know, you're extra missing the, uh, the relative, when the new rituals are being extra burdensome, when anger strikes, when fear strikes. So getting in the habit of already seeing a therapist maybe weekly at first and then maybe bi-weekly or monthly to give them a safe space to kind of unpack things as they uh, come about is really the best thing to do. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, as we talk about, and because here's the first thing that we, we thought of, Ms. Brown, it's very simple. God, what Vanessa, Kobe's wife, how is she going to deal with this? The husband right. who, who who's right. left at home because his wife was in the helicopter and, and is unfortunately a part of that tragedy and passed on. God, how does he deal with that? As a therapist, Absolutely. like you know what? What do we tell them? What what what, what do we do? <laughs> it's okay to be sad. Yeah, it's okay to be devastated. It's okay to be uncertain. It's okay to fall apart. Right, because you can have the tools to build yourself back up and to create a new normal, but your old normal is gone, Mm -hmm. you know, and we understand that life is unfair. Um, And I think it's important for us to understand that it's not just the therapist who's there to help other people who love and support them are there to help as well. Right. So one of the things that we see a lot is like strangers saying that they're devastated on social media, you know, Mm -hmm. especially when someone who is famous passes away or, when someone's passing, it gains, you know, fame or notoriety, everyone feels like they want to comment, but they don't just comment on social media. They comment for that person, right? So let's be clear. You're not devastated unless this person was in your day-to-day life, right? So let's be mindful of how we reach out to people, um, the things that we say, you know, the, the comments, because that also affects how people who are grieving in real time and from real interpersonal interaction feel. The second thing, loved ones who are around them. Yes, your grief is important, too, and it's important to figure out um, ways to um, release your grief, but it is important that you do not release your grief with the primary griever. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right, Because oh. grievers become the caretakers of other people who are grieving. So it's not his wife's job or that husband's job to grieve, to help console the other people who mm. have experienced the loss, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you can all support each other, but you have to be so mindful of how much burden you're putting on the person who's lost a loved one in the day-to-day. The best thing you can do if you love that person is to say, what can I do? You know, a lot of times people go to funerals, they'll come to the house, and the first thing they want to do is start sharing memories of that person or um, telling stories or saying how sad they are. It feels good to the person who's unloading, but is that helping the person who lost their spouse, the person who lost their dad? How can I help? You know, so it may be they need someone to come see them in three weeks. It may be I need someone to do my laundry. It may be I need silence. I'm not ready to hear stories right now because that's too much for me. So people who want to support them need to understand that support isn't about you. It's about them. And I would hope that, um, you know, the primary grievers have, have people in their lives that are giving them the space 
to understand that you can't figure this out in a day, a week, a month. This is years. You are always going to have a loss, you know, and, and I, the other thing, because of how this tragedy happened, we have a tendency to say, if I had only done this, mm. if I had only done that, life is out of our control. Right. You know, and so we can't, we have to make sure that we work on taking away any blame, any regret, you know, and know that these people are now in a, a better place, a different place. And you have to process letting go in that way. But it is a journey. Grieving is a journey, and it, and this is a hard one, right? And not because he was famous or the other people um, weren't. I'm sorry, not because Kobe Bryant was famous. They all of their lives have equal value, right? Mm-hmm. It's because mm-hmm. it was tragic, right. right? It was tragic. It's and you know, and so it's scary. So we do have it creates other fear in, in people as well. You know, people um, there may be anxiety around flying. There may be anxiety around driving, right? Because when a catastrophe like this happens. Other fears are are stoked. So we have to be mindful of that, mindful of what we say. And the best thing we can do is just offer support. I also think it is important for folks to know that this kind of tragedy does um, stoke vicarious trauma in other people. And what does that mean? Yes, some people will say they, they're devastated because they admired um, someone who passed away. But other people who have experienced tragedy as well, it may trigger things in them, right? Because... Mm. There are so many, you know, people die in car accidents all the time. People mm-hmm. die in plane accidents. So there will be other people affected. So I want to implore people, if this is triggering something in your life that is normal, that is okay, go to a therapist or do whatever you need to do uh, to make sure you're processing that anxiety. Because what you don't want to do is let it build, right? And say, oh, it, it shouldn't matter because it didn't affect me directly. But it, if it is triggering something in you, you need to deal with that. Estia Brown is my guest. She's a therapist. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Ms. Brown, I got one last one before I let you go, and, and thank you for joining us. You've been fascinating and helpful. To, to us who are on the outside and who have admired what Kobe Bryant has done, who've, who've admired what he represents, it's almost like we know him. It, it's, it, it, it's as though we have an interpersonal friendship with him. As we yeah. do with a lot of, you know, celebrities that we follow and, and we, you know, because of social media. Come on, Miss Brown, we know everything they do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're a part of, we, we, we ride with them. We're part of their daily routine. Absolutely. How do so, we get past it? How do we share, shed the grief that we have in this situation? No, and that's very real, right? So we, we have relationships with people that we admire who perform service that, that, um, has been extraordinary, right? We look up to them. These are people who, you know, they call Kobe a legend. Um, these are people who, who we wish to emulate. And we there's an expectation that we know, you know, many years or, or we, have, we have some idea when a person will go, and this feels much too early. Um, the reality is that we have no control over one at someone's time. And the best way to honor him is mm-hmm. to take the lessons that he's given us, you know, people speak about his work ethic. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that's the best way to honor him. Talk about the greatness, the great things that he's done and pour that share the stories, Right. And that's how you keep someone's legacy alive. You know, and again, if you're dealing with vicarious trauma because the death has stoked something personal in you, you know, you need to make sure that you go to speak to someone to help you process that. 
You know, it is a grave loss. It's a grave loss for the culture, but a devastating loss to those families. Yeah. And, and we have to, and there is, there is a delineation there. Yes, there's a distinction. Mm-hmm. There's a distinction, but there, it is a great loss to the culture. And I think that it is tremendous to have someone ha- had had such a significant impact in society. So that's a, a well life, a life well lived. And mm-hmm. there should be some, um, I don't want to say soothing, but some healing in knowing that, right? And mm-hmm. and also a reminder to live life to your personal fullest. Yeah. And, you know? And, and hug, solve that problem with the person you're not speaking to. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and I think that it, it's a great reminder of what you just said, right? Like, we never know the date or the time, but it, it doesn't always have to be death that takes someone mm-hmm. away from us, right? When we don't say what we're supposed to say if we're not if we're not living in our authentic truth if we're not being apologetic when we're wrong we will have regret right and you can regret anything you can regret not saying i love you you can regret not going for a job mm-hmm. right but regret is the hardest thing to live with so be humble be loving be good and be appreciative therapist st brown was my guest where can we find you where where can where give me email give me give me <laughs> Give me Twitter. Give me give me Instagram. Yeah, give me everything. Me on, on IG at Tia Brown Talks. My website is tiabrown.com. And thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. One more time, please, because you know how that goes. Somebody, you said something and the pen just ran out. <laughs> <laughs> on on um, IG and Twitter, it's Tia Brown Talks. And my website is tiabrown.com. Thank you very much. You've been very helpful. And uh, we hopefully, hopefully in a better situation, we'll have you on again. Absolutely. Have a great day, and thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Therapist S.T.A. Brown inside this edition of ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.